we've got 60% of um, Aboriginal people in my hometown and I'm the first um, one who actually has a proper business, a, like a, a big business. This week on Dirty Linen, we are checking in with interesting people with interesting stories from all over the place. And I am really excited to be heading to Brewarina in northwestern New South Wales to chat to uh, Trish Frail from Thalinagamba. I've got that wrong already, haven't I? Thalinagamba. Hi, Trish. How are you? Thalinagamba. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> I'm great. <laughs> Um, yeah. Trish, thank you so much for coming along today to have a chat to us. Um, it, I'd love you to tell me a little bit about Brie, as I know you call it up there, and about Thali, Thali oh my God. Namba. <laughs> Thali yes. Namba, your cafe that you've only recently mm-hmm. opened. Um, Brie's a small country town. Uh, we've got roughly around about 2,500 people within the Shire. Um, the most amazing thing about Bree is we have the oldest man-made structure in the world and that is our Bayami Anunga uh, fish traps and um, they are just amazing. They're over 60,000 years old. When people come here they go down to the river and they see the rocks and they think they're looking at the fish traps. No, they're not. They need to go down further or better still, they need to come and do a tour with the um, Aboriginal Museum. So that's the one aspect of Bree with um, our culture. And the second aspect is now my um, cafe. So I have a, I had a little shop in my backyard and I kept thinking, what am I going to do with it? And I knew I wanted to do something in regards to my culture and um, I was thinking, you know, I don't want to do just do arts and crafts because you can go anywhere and get, you know, your arts and crafts. And so out here in the West, um, basically anywhere outside of a metropolitan um, area, you don't get to eat traditional foods. And so that's why I thought, wow, I can do that. I can um, start up a little cafe and just do um, traditional foods, sorry. And so we now call it, you know, Native Food with a Twist. And the name of it is Thali Namba. Thali meaning Sangawena. Namba is our tribe. And the Sangawena is the totem of the tribe. So that's how I came up with that name. I I just love it. So Namba is... um one of the peoples that are in the country where you are. And so were the fish traps shared among different tribes? Because I just think, I mean, people talk about the pyramids and get excited about how old they are, but, I mean, this is just next-level stuff, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, pyramids weren't even in the embryo <laughs> when we would, we had the fish traps out. Um, our fish traps are over 60,000 60, um, years old, you know, which is... Uh, that is old and that is also our dreaming stories um you know like we still talk about how Biami, our creator came along and um designed the fish traps to help the nambar people who were in um famish at the time with not enough um it must have been a drought on and so Biami came along he saw the people sitting on the riverbank and he said, well, 
I will help you. And he designed the fish traps. Um, and him and his two sons, they went away, they got the rocks, they brought them back and um, actually designed it. And so the fish traps are, are an actual fact, like our very first refrigerator. We would hunt the um, fish into the traps, close, the, close them off, and whenever we wanted a fish, we would just go down and um, get the fish out of the refrigerator. It um, sounds super fresh and they're in their natural environment. Um, yeah, it's incredible. What, uh, I mean, I know there's been, you know, so many changes to the region and the environment since white settles, settlers came in, including some damage to the, the dry stone weirs and, and the ponds. What is the state of the, the fish traps? Also, given that, you know, the river has been, um, you know, dammed and, you know, there's, there's all kinds of changes that have gone on there. What, what is actually the state of the fish traps at the moment? The state of them, so I'll take one step back. The, the Nambar people were the custodians of the fish traps. And so, you know, it was our responsibility to look after the fish traps and all the other tribes would be able to come in and, um, and they were, They'd done it, you know, during certain periods, you know, because we had um, four different seasons, but, sorry, six different seasons. And um, and so, you know, the tribes would come in in relation to those seasons. And um, so when they'd go, we would have to come back in and we would have to... Um, fix those fish traps up and especially after the floods and so and in every trap it was a family's um, responsibility to look after that trap now because of all the um, you know removal of the children and all the um, the, the removal of the rocks, a lot of people, when they first came to breathe, they were moving the rocks out of the fish traps and using them for um, for their um, housing structures. So we, over the period of time in the last 200 years, we've lost a lot of that knowledge of what family is supposed to look after what trap. And so, yeah, so we, we have lost it. We are now working together and working with the council in trying to, um, to get it because now it, the fish traps are, what, they're under five, four different regulations. So, and that's state, federal and um, local. Uh, so... State, federal, local, yep. Um, and so it, it's extremely hard to work out, you know, how are we all going to work together, you know. So it's just, it's so, um, you know, the, the ignorance of people coming in and moving these stones without appreciating the, that incredible heritage and the purpose of them. I mean, it just it makes me feel really upset and sad just to think about, yeah, it's just just 
the ignorance and I suppose that unwillingness to to learn from the culture that was already working in harmony with that river. Yeah. Well, considering the fact that they built a weir and they they didn't need to buy uh, to build a weir because Bwana actually has one of the deepest waterways on the whole of this river. And so we don't need a weir. But they did not understand um, how Australian waterways worked. You know, everyone was still thinking of, of, of it being English waterways. So they built a weir and they put it right near the very beginning of the fish traps and um, so and that itself has um, it's caused a lot of damage because now we don't have the water flows going through which kept um, certain um, rocks in place and uh, yeah. So is it still possible to catch fish in the traps today? Some people still do. Wow. Yeah. But, you know, it's very selective and, um, yeah. And what sort of fish would you be able to catch if indeed it was possible? Uh, look, we, our rivers have um, yellow belly, uh, which is perch, um, cod and catfish. Now, of course, we've got that horrible um, European carp which has, again, made a lot of damage to our waterways. So, and I know a lot of people eat European carp. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're locals. We eat our local fish. Yep. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, it's such an incredible, uh, yeah, such an incredible heritage and it's, it's, um, yeah, it's just it's just really sad and disappointing that it's not uh, in the same state that it was. But it's also great to know that people are working together to try to um, preserve it and improve it. And you know, I know that it's such a point of pride for the region. Um, and yeah, I just hope a lot of lot more people can see it and appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I guess do whatever, whatever they can to help you help you and your communities. Um, yeah, restore it. Mm-hmm. And that's why there are quite a few um, members of the um, of our community who are really, really concerned about the way the the way the fish traps are and the way the water flow is. And um, so, yeah, we're working together, and hopefully. You know, it might take another few, you know, another generation before we can actually get to the next stage, but we're working towards it. Mm, great. Um, so I'd love to learn more about, about the town and, and about the community because um, Bree is a mostly Aboriginal town, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's um, 60% Aboriginal. So, yeah, and... Um, and we're not just all Nambar people because we also had a, um, a mission out here 
where people from all the other tribes were brought in and um, they had to stay. So when the mission closed down, by that time, a lot of the people had lost their contacts with with their um, own homelands and so they've just stayed here in Bree. Yeah, okay. And is the cafe um, there on the main street? It's off. Oh, it's on a little side street, and um, and it's you know straight off the main uh, main street. It's right on the corner where you, you have to turn to go to Walgood, or if you're coming from Walgood Way, you turn to go to Burke. So yeah, we're right on the um, main street of town. Uh, um, and tell me about starting it. I mean, you said you had a shop in your backyard. What what actually, what was in the shop? Uh, just all rubbish, basically. We, we, it hasn't been a shop for years. When we were renovating our house, we were living in it and then renovating our house. So, yeah, there's, there hasn't been anything in it. And um, my previous partner, he kept saying, you know, Trish, you need to open up a shop. And um, and so I went away and I got some training done, and, but I didn't have the passion for it then, whereas now I've just got the passion. Like It's just the most fantastic thing that I've ever done besides having my children. And, um, yeah, so, yeah, I just love it. I love it. It's so great. What do you think it is that um, meant that now is the time that you've got the passion? Because now I'm really interested, sorry, I'm really interested in um, in bush foods and medicinal medicines. And my yard, it's quite big. I'm also planning on um, doing, setting up my yard for um, a tourist um, medicinal medicine garden. Wow. So... Tell me about some of the dishes that you're serving there. So we only have a few main dishes that we serve every day. And and then other than that, every day we have a different special. And um, so our main dishes, like we have our steak sandwiches. And with the steak sandwiches, you have a choice of what marinade do you want. So it would be either strawberry gum wattle seed or bush tomato so either one of those marinades you can have uh, everything that we cook we put a um a beautiful bush tomato relish on it so um and they the egg and bacon rolls are a really big hit and you know with the bush tomato relish we have lamb with um salt bush and gravy um, and then we have oh, the most fantastic smoothies you know kakadu plum and um, mango and banana smoothies uh, watermelon and um, Davison plum smoothies like all of our smoothies are just got everything in it um, wow, it all sounds really great, and yeah, I can just imagine like the tartness of a of a Davidson plum in a smoothie. That sounds absolutely genius. I would definitely be up for one of those uh, on the side of my meal. Um, it, it, so you, it's a lot to open a cafe, and I, and I guess one of the main 
issues in a lot of regional communities is employment. Have you been able to um, bring other people in to work with you? Yes, I have. It's been so fantastic. I've got a couple of young girls who have never had a job before, would never never thought that they would actually get a job, um, let alone in the hospitality industry. And um, so, yeah, I... I I've got four staff members and yeah and they are just so fantastic and as I said they're just learning and um and they they've never realized first off they didn't realize how busy it is in a cafe and and second off like they just didn't realize that they would love it so much and um and the third thing is like they they are just continuously learning. They learn about the cafe industry. They then they learn about um, our native foods, you know, and um, and they'll say, "Oh, yeah, Nan used to do that," <laughs> or you know, yeah. So they have a little bit of knowledge about na- native foods, but um, but like myself, like it's just been. A real eye-opener, a really educational uh, step in learning about our foods. It's um, the reason that I I heard about what you're doing um, out there is through your daughter Charlie Sue, who posted about um, Thali Namba on Twitter, and obviously she's incredibly proud of you. But she she talks about so many of the things that she's. Um, observed in in your business and just the fact that you you're creating really healthy food for the community um can you talk about some of the um the issues around health in your community Uh, i think oh we have a high number of um diabetes in our community um, and same as cancer and same as um, heart problems. So, um, and um, obesity. And so, and, and myself too, I'm overweight. Um, um, I've been losing a lot of weight since I've been working how I am working. But, um, but I've always been a very healthy eater. I just eat a lot. Um, I'm so I've stopped. I I don't do any fried foods, any um, you know, fried chips. I don't do them at all. A lot of people will come in and they'll ask for chips, and um, and it's like, sorry, I don't do it. And for two reasons: one is um, I don't want to go down that road. And two, I don't have a range hood on in my kitchen yet, so I, I've got to be very selective of what I'm cooking. So, um, yeah, so I just I don't want to do fried foods. And the other thing is I'm very selective about what drinks I sell too. Um, I really push the smoothies because they are such a healthy option. And... Um, and all of our drinks, I only do um, Australian companies. Um, yeah, so Coca Cola's been knocking on my door, you know, 
three times now and it's like, sorry, I don't want you here. I do not want to sell Coke. You are rich enough by yourself. Yourselves, just don't need me, and more importantly, I don't need you, and my community doesn't need you. Wow, I am really floored that they would come to you three times. Um, that just to me, that seems quite predatory in a way. Like, get out, guys, come on, move it along. Yeah, well, they came to me before I even opened, you know, I think it was just a couple of days, a week before I was about to open. And they came knocking on my house door and they were saying, oh, we're just looking for um, the lady who owns the shop. It's like, yeah, well, that's me. And they said, oh, um, we were um, wondering whether you'd like, you know, to, um, some, to sell some cake. And it's like, no, I don't. And I'm not going to. And I said, and... Um, and they said, oh, well, we, we can come back after you've um, opened. It's like, no, I don't want you to come back after I've opened. So they came back after I opened and it's like, no, I'm not interested. And then they came back again. And at that time, my daughter was there. I wasn't in the shop. And my daughter said, mum's not here. Um, you know, you need to speak to her. And... Uh, <laughs> And um, so when I got back, um, the, um, my daughter told me, and she says, oh, here they are, they're just pulling up again. And by that time, I was pretty um, cranky. And I said, right, are we going out there? She said, no, no, mum, mum, leave it to me. I'll deal with it. I'll tell them, no, we don't want them. <laughs> so because I would have went out and told them in, in um, not too polite words. <laughs> I reckon they should have come in and bought a smoothie and just got out of the place <laughs> <laughs> yeah they should have <laughs> um so trish you know one of the i guess really important issues when people are selling indigenous ingredients is that the money stays in communities it are um you mentioned that there are 60 percent of the population of of is aboriginal is uh many of the businesses owned by aboriginal people i'm the only one whoa yeah, I'm the only one, and then we've got the um, Aboriginal Museum, but that's a um, a, um, a committee-run company, so it's not a um, it's not a, a for for profit. So um, yeah, I'm the only um, I'm the only one. That's that's real. I'm actually really shocked and upset to hear that, but I'm also so it just means you're just even more of a trailblazer and a legend and just working so incredibly, doing such important work for the community. I mean, do you do you feel that part of it as well? Well, no cost to me. It was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to do this, so it's just get out and do it. And it's not until everybody else says, says it and it's like, oh, oh, okay then. <laughs> so, I, you know, I must be a bit of a trailblazer. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, it must be so inspiring for the people around you. And as you say, you know, to those two staff, and I'm sure your other staff, you know, the ones that haven't had a job before, I'm sure that yeah. you're showing them a pathway that perhaps they never imagined for themselves. Well, that's exactly right. Yeah. And um, and look, some of the reasons why we don't go into our own businesses is because we don't understand economy 
you know we can we understand our budgets but that's a household budget we don't understand the economy and um, and so that's where we all need training in and myself included because I don't understand it all I know is that I wanted to open a shop and so I went ahead and I done it but um, yeah I still don't have that real crash hot idea about economy like all my accounts I can't do my accounts my accountant I had to go and um, um, get an accountant to do it all because I don't know what the hell am I doing but I'm going to be learning and more importantly my staff are watching me learn so they are learning so and that's great and then they've all got children and so they the knowledge that they're learning from me it's going to go down to their children so hopefully their children children will start having a bit more of an understanding of economy yeah i mean there's just so much to love about about what you're doing what is you I mean you mentioned the training you know in like i guess business management and accountancy and all that sort of stuff what what do you think would actually help more people um uh, more Aboriginal people start businesses? Is it that courses would come to communities or is it just simply people seeing the pathway and and sort of, you know, stepping on it themselves? You know, can do you, do you, can you see things that would, would help? Um, yes, yeah, seeing the pathways and stepping on it, like, all right, so we have a lot of people who, um, you know, do the art and craft, I can use that industry as an example. So, um, and, you know, as you know yourself, some of the art and craft that's out there is just magnificent. But we still, you know, like you get paid to do it and it's like you, you, you don't really have a good understanding of how are you going to use that payment um, other than, you know, going to the shop and buying what you want to buy rather than um, looking at other ways of how you can um, best work on your business. Yeah, sure. So as well as being a creator, it's like, well, how do I turn my, my skills and you know, what I, my creativity into my own business? Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that's only just my my opinion you know <laughs> maybe i've got it wrong and maybe there's something else out there but i don't know like i said we've got 60 percent of um aboriginal people in my hometown and i'm the first um one who actually has a proper business a, like a, a big business yeah not just um somebody who's doing um small art and crafts you know and good on them you know they're fantastic but yeah, I'm, I'm just talking in in a bigger area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's. I think it's. Yeah, really. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense what you're saying. Um, Trish, is there anything else that you want to say? No, other than look. Um, I'm just waiting for people to drop in and <laughs> come and buy something. Yeah, come in and say hello. Um, yeah, it's it's a fantastic shop. Um, yeah, and we're, as I said, we're learning as we go. I've never worked in the hospitality industry before. I haven't done a single thing. 
and um, so I, I'm still learning and it's great um, getting feedback from people it really is fantastic to receive feedback yeah well um, what's the what's the nearest big town like how would we find our way to Brewarana? Yeah, Warrena is right in between um, Burke and Walgett. We're the little town right in between those two towns. All right. Well, there's a lot of people who can't go overseas who are exploring Australia more, so I reckon we'll hopefully send some people to your doorstep. Um, Trish, thank you so much. I've learnt so much in this conversation, not least how to say Thalinamba, and I really apologise for my ignorance in pronunciation. Um, oh, that's fine. But, uh, yeah, I really, uh, I think I'm so glad that I saw Charlie Sue's um, post on Twitter and that um, that you were willing to have a chat to us. I've just I'm I'm so inspired by what you're doing. I just think it's incredible, and I just wish you all the best. Thank you very very much. Brilliant to have a chat. Thank you. Thanks. This is Dirty Linen, and I'm Danny Valant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.